Two weeks ago, we looked at a story out of the Old Testament in 2 Kings about Naaman the leper. Remember, we looked at how the little slave girl that had been stolen away from her home in Israel and taken to Aram still had compassion for Naaman. She loved him and she cared about him. And she had faith in her God. And she said, you know, there's a God in Israel that can take care of my master's leprosy. Because Naaman was a leper. Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army. And so as you remember, last week, or two weeks ago, we went through the story of how the little girl told Naaman's wife. Naaman's wife told Naaman. Naaman, being desperate because he's a leper, went to the king of Aram. The king of Aram probably didn't believe that anything could take place for Naaman because there was no cure for leprosy. But he wanted to keep the captain of his army happy. And so he said, sure, take all this silver and gold and horses and go to Israel. Remember the story so far. They get to Israel. They go to the king of Israel. The king of Israel tears his clothes and he says, oh my goodness, the king of Aram is looking to pick a fight with me because everybody knows that there's no cure for leprosy. So he sent his captain of his army over here to be cured. And when I can't cure him, that's going to be his excuse to bring his army in and take us over. But Elisha, God's prophet, heard about it. And Elisha said, you know, sent a servant and said, have Naaman come to me and he will know that there is a prophet of God in Israel. Well, when Naaman was on his way, our text a couple of weeks ago said that Elisha sent a servant out to meet him. And remember, it made Naaman really mad. He said, my goodness, I thought that the man of God would come out and he would wave his hand over the poor leper and he would cure me of my leprosy. He didn't even come out to see me himself. He sent a servant to come out to see me. Made him mad. And remember, Naaman's men said, oh, listen, we've come all this way. Just do what the man of God's servant told you to do. And so, you know, kicking and screaming, Naaman jumped into the river, dipped himself seven times, and when he came up, his skin was not like mine, not like some of yours, but it was like the skin of a little boy. It had been cleaned. He had been healed. Now today, we're going to go back and we're going to look at Naaman. And we're also going to look at that guy that Elisha sent out to meet Naaman. Elisha's servant, Gehazi. Okay? Because... As we were talking a couple uh, last week, I realized I'm learning more and more about Willowbend, okay? And I'm learning that you got I had no idea that y'all were the oldest church in all of Collin County. I mean, I, I had no idea. I mean, y'all have been here forever. And yet, you had a, a change, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And you became a very seeker-friendly church. And, and, and much of your advertising at that time, what you really said to people was, we're a church for people that don't go to church. We're a church for people that don't go to church. We're, we're, we're for people that didn't maybe grow up in the church. That you know, We used to kid at my former church, you're a church for people that don't know how to act in the church. You know. And so, this fits in with who you are as a church, our story today. If you have your Bibles, 
Second Kings chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 15. Now understand, Naaman has just been healed of his leprosy. Then Naaman and his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, Elisha refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules to carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Remon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I bow down there also, when I bow down in the temple of Remon, May the Lord forgive your servant for this. And Elisha said, that's okay, go in peace. You hear what he said? He said, I want some dirt. I want some earth to carry back with me so that I can put that earth in the place where I'm going to worship. That's how much I believe in your God. But forgive me, because part of my job as the captain of the army is to go into the temple of Ramon. With the king, will God forgive me for that? And he says, yes, yes, he will. And so go in peace. After Naaman had traveled some distance. Now, here, here's where it gets important. After Naaman had traveled some distance away from Elisha, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, probably the one that Elisha sent out to meet Naaman in the first place said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him, and I'm going to get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. See, Naaman's a changed man. He's all in. So he sees Gehazi coming, he gets down off his chair and he says, Hey, is anything wrong? Is anything wrong? So Gehazi hurried out. When Naaman saw him, he got down off his chair. Is everything okay? Everything's all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me. You hear that? My master sent me to say, Two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. See, he goes and lies to Naaman. But he says, oh, oh, it's not for Elijah. It's not for me. It's for these two young men. And so he lies to him. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them. And then tied up the talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to, to his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away, and they left. Then he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha says. <laughs> oh, your servant didn't go anywhere. Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, 
Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, olive uh, groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or manservants or maidservants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was a leper as white as snow. Wow. You say, what does that have to do with us? 3,000 years later. Let me tell you, I think it shows a great contrast between two separate groups of people. There are people in our world that were born into the church. They were born onto the cradle roll. Before they were born, the church knew they were coming. And so they were always in church and they went to Sunday school and they went to vacation Bible school and they, they did all of this other stuff. And they think that they're really good Christians because they have that heritage. There's nothing wrong with heritage, but you've got to make your own heritage with God. And so they believe that, that there's something special when maybe, just maybe, they don't understand that to be right in God's eyes is to live the way He wants you to live. You see, Gehazi was a child of Israel. So he was part of the first covenant. He was part of the covenant people. But he not only was that, he was Elisha's servant. He might have been Elisha's apprentice. He might have been the guy that Elisha was grooming to take his place. Because who did, who groomed Elisha? Elijah. And so, he was, let's put it this way, he was on Elisha's ministerial staff. He had every advantage. He grew up knowing the Scriptures. He knew what he should do. He was kind of like those people I know. You know, I, I love this expression. He, he was like one of those guys, you know, some people are born on third and they think they hit a triple, you know. He was like that. He was born on third, but he thought he hit a triple. But, you know, there's some people that, that were born outside the ballpark. They weren't even born in the ballpark. And from what I understand, for the last 30 years, that's what Willa Ben's about. It's been about bringing people that were born outside the ballpark in and trying to share the love of God, the salvation that they can find in Jesus Christ. And so, so we, have, we have a contrast here between with a men of two very different backgrounds. We have, we have Naaman who was born a heathen. He was a man of war. War back then was ugly business. You didn't kill people from a long way. You killed them close up. And Naaman was a man of war. He was a man that probably had blood splattered all over him many times. He was, he was a hardened man. And then you had Gehazi. And Gehazi was a child of Israel. And he was on Elisha's staff. And he had every advantage when it comes to being right with God. They, were, they had different backgrounds. They, they, they had different vocations. You know, Naaman was a man of, of war. Gehazi was a minister. Uh, but 
they displayed very different characteristics. Let's look for a minute at, at Naaman. Now look, Naaman wasn't perfect, right? <laughs> and as we looked at two weeks ago, he got his men together, the horses, the chariots, the armor, you know, uh, shining in the sun. They come up to Elisha's place and, and, and probably Gehazi comes out and Naaman gets mad. He says, surely I thought that the prophet would come and wave his hand over me and I would be cured. And he sends out this servant and he tells me to go dip myself in this dirty old Jordan River. Remember what he said, aren't the rivers of my home country far better than this one? And I've come all this way. He was mad. Let's go home. So he was a proud man. But remember what his men told him? Remember his men came to him and they said, if the man of God had asked you to some, some great and mighty thing to be healed, wouldn't you have done it? You'd have done it. But since he asked you to do something that's a little bit humbling, <laughs> go dip yourself in the river, you're going to get mad and not go. And so, Naaman listened. And he went, you know, that's something we need to understand about people that, that, that weren't born inside the ballpark, that weren't born inside the church. You know, you may come to them and you may tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and, and, and they may be like Naaman. You know, you say, you know, you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to, you've got to, to believe that you're a sinner and you need forgiveness. You've got to come before God in humility and they may be like Naaman. They may say, I don't want to. You know, if God asked me to do some great thing for my salvation, I'd do it. But because I just have to believe and ask forgiveness, I don't think so. They may be like that. But you have to love them like Naaman's men loved him. They kept on. Hey, come on. We've come all this way. Just do what the man of God asked you to do. Oh, come on, brother. You know you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so none of us are perfect and none of us are good enough to make it to heaven by ourselves. That's what the Bible says. And deep in our hearts, the Holy Spirit tells us and we know that that's true. And so we love people and we care about people. So Naaman, when we get to that place where he went and dipped himself into the Jordan, Naaman was a man that acted in faith. He was a man that acted in in faith. And let's look back at our scripture just very quickly. Number one, he was a grateful man. It says in verse 15, Now I know there is no God in all the world except the one in Israel. Naaman was grateful. He was reverent. Look at what he said in verse 17. Please let me carry dirt back as much as two mules can carry. He, 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 he had such a reverence for what had happened in that place. He wanted to carry some of that back with him. He was spiritually... I mean, Naaman became spiritually sensitive. Look at this. He says now, and I'm going to ask forgiveness ahead of time for having to go into the temple of Ramon. He became spiritually sensitive. He, he was compassionate. Look at verse 21. 
In verse 21, we see Naaman. He gets down off of his chariot in front of all of his men and he asks, is anything wrong? He becomes compassionate. He becomes generous. Oh, by all means, take what you need. By all means. Absolutely. And so, we see this man of war that had lived a very different background, grew up in a heathen nation. God touches him. And we see that God not only healed him physically, He healed him spiritually. He healed him emotionally. He became a man of of faith, uh, with a grateful heart, with, with a reverence for God. He became spiritually sensitive. He became compassionate for other people. He became, he became generous. We don't see any of those qualities before this. Now, we don't know Naaman that well. But God healed him. He healed him physically, and then He healed him spiritually and emotionally. Naaman was a different guy after his experience with God. He was a different guy. And we need to understand that no matter how bleak the world seems and no matter how worldly it seems to be becoming, no matter how sinful things seem to be and the world just seems to be upside, turned upside down in so many ways, we need to understand that the same power that changed a man like Naaman changes lives today. And that's what we're here for. Will have been church, a light of God's grace and forgiveness, God's changing power in this place in Plano, Texas. Now that, that, that's the great part of the story, amen? That's a great part. Well, let's look at this other guy. Let's look at Gehazi just a minute. Gehazi was the guy that, that grew up with every advantage. He knew all the right things. He probably could quote Scripture to you. And yet Gehazi acted in greed. He acted in greed. Number, You know, we've, we see that Gehazi was arrogant. He was arrogant in verse 20. I can find it. He says, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, he, he was way too easy on this heathen. So he, he showed a, a sense of arrogance. Can, can we in the church sometimes show a sense of arrogance? Yeah, we can. We shouldn't ever, but we can. He was deceitful to Naaman. He, he, he made up this story that Elisha had sent him. And, and oh, but not for him. No, these two guys are coming, and so we, we need supplies for them. So he made up this elaborate lie to, to speak to Naaman. But notice he was selfish. Look at verse 24. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I would think that he was getting them for two other guys. He would just stroll right in with them. No, he got them for himself. He got them for himself. He was selfish. And then he was deceitful to Elisha. Elisha said, where have you been? Oh, I haven't been anywhere. I haven't been anywhere. The lie 
that he told to Naaman led to the lie that he had to tell to Elisha. And so, these two men, very different backgrounds, but one of them acted in faith and was healed. The other acted in greed and was cursed. Gehazi knew about God, but he did not walk with God. Naaman didn't know much about God, but what he did know, he wanted to walk with him for the rest of his life. Guys, I know where you are this morning. In a group this size, there's probably someone here that grew up on the cradle roll. It's been in Sunday school all your life. That can quote scripture. Know all the right answers. Could win, you know, if you were on Facebook and they had a Bible quiz, you could get 9 out of 10. And yet, you know, you know, that if the truth be told, you're really not walking with God. You're really not walking with Him right now. And there may, maybe you're out here and, and, and you don't know much about, you don't know much about God and and there's a lot of things you don't know. And, and, and one of the things, I don't know how many times when I was a senior pastor that, that people would come to me and they'd say, Oh man, I believe in Jesus. He saved me from my sins. But man, I don't want to go to Sunday school or I don't want to go to that small group Bible because they all know more than I do. And I'm going to look dumb because everybody knows the answers and I don't. Oh my goodness. You know what? God cares about the condition of your heart, and that's all He cares about. Now, does He want you to learn more about Him? You bet He does. You bet He does. But, but, but I used to bend over. I used to do backflips to ask people not to worry about stuff like that. And yet we still do, don't we? The great thing about your church, I think, I think one, of the, one of the unique features... I, Remember what I said? I said when we, when we get through with, with this process that we're going through, you'll be able to answer the question, if Willa Bend went away tomorrow, what would Plano lose? What would this area lose that it does not have? I think one of the things that it would lose is a place where I, I believe with all of my heart, anybody is welcome here. Anybody's welcome here. And, 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 and there... And you don't put conditions on what they're going to do when they get here or how long they're going to stay or anything else. You just love them when they're here. I, I think that's a wonderful thing about your church because a lot of churches, they can't say that. And that's a great thing about you. And so I asked you to look at the story today. I asked you to look at Naaman. Do you have some things in common with Naaman? You know, we don't, we don't know. I, I believe that Naaman went back and was a great witness of his faith. I, I, I believe he was changed forever. Forever. And, and Gehazi was changed forever too. And so, can you relate to Naaman in some ways? Can you relate to Gehazi in some ways? I don't know. Only you know the truth and only God knows the truth. So right now as we close our service, I ask you to bow your heads. I ask you to close your eyes.
And I ask you to examine your hearts. I ask you to take a good hard look. Am I more like Naaman? Am I more like Gehazi? Am I some kind of mix in between?